Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tesserto's Season 2 talk show. Uh, we're back, and I'm hosting it. I'm Richard Lewis. Uh, they brought me in to host this podcast where we talk to some of the greatest names, biggest figures in esports. And we've got a great show to start us off because we have Rick Fox, basketball legend, and, uh, of course, the founder of Echo Fox, the esports organization. So, Rick, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in what feels like forever. Gosh, it has been a couple a uh, couple months, and maybe uh, do I dare say even a year or more? Uh, might, be that, might be that long. Yeah, it might, it might be. It might be so. I know you spent uh, a lot of time in Atlanta the last few years, and and I haven't been coming through the last year, so I think it may be a little over a year. But it's good to see you doing well. Well, thank you. You too. Um, so look, let's start with some very. Um, you know, kind of baseline questions for maybe people who haven't followed your career and transitioning into esports. Obviously, it was a big deal. I remember breaking the story and, and working with you via email to sort of get it out there. You have a much better understanding of how to use esports media than a lot of people who are endemic to the space. Uh, and that was when you announced the introduction of Echo Fox. So I just wanted to talk about that process and going from being somebody that's been in you know, TV series, movies, uh, you know, somebody that's obviously from a sporting background. Why did you decide to come and set up an esports organization, especially at that time when, you know, the profits we're talking about now, that wasn't true back then? No, they weren't. And I think when I look back to some, wow, has it been four years now? I guess we're yeah. going on to the fourth year. Uh, so much of my life has surrounded video games and just my own personal love and, and uh, pleasure playing them for you know, for years as a kid and then throughout my life and then introducing them to my own kids and sharing that time with them personally was, you know, something that was just near and dear to my heart. So discovering uh, the game League of Legends and uh, my son moving out to college a, a few years back and, you know, really getting into his passion for game design and where he wanted to go in his life. For me, really, I stumbled into a greater understanding of what what professional video game and esports had become uh, at that point. And for me, uh, the experience was really just out of a shared love with my son, just spending time with him uh, is how it all started. And then I, you know, took obviously greater, uh, a greater in-depth look at uh, what was happening out in the landscape. And I just really connected what I knew, which is traditional sports and my time as a professional basketball player with what I was sensing was really beyond bubbling up. It'd been around for a long time. You've been a part of the industry for a lot longer than people may know esports has existed. Um, but for whatever reason, and I, and I still don't know to this day, um, why, why I may have contributed to a little bit of a tipping point in terms of uh, mainstream awareness, but, but I happened to get caught in that vortex uh, for a period of time when I decided to, to really like uh, explore being an owner. Uh, yeah, well, that was that was one of the things that I think that you definitely brought when you first came in, right? Was like uh, there there were a lot of sort of big conglomerates, big fine, you know, VC companies that were setting up these organizations. But you were a very personable face, somebody that was you know recognizable, a celebrity, and you see more and more people trying to do that now. You know, you hear about celebrities putting their name on esports organizations now. wasn't so popular back then because it was considered yeah. a a risk, right? And, and yeah, you know, it was, and it was it was a huge risk. Uh, you didn't, uh, you know, we weren't uh, at that point in time. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't getting in to make money. I was getting in to to be a part of the community, 
and, and that's still a lot of ways been the driving force for me. So, you know, the startup aspects of uh, starting an organization and, and running a business and being a business uh, entrepreneur are, are all things that I, I would say over the last three years I've gotten a lot better at, but they're all things you learn on uh, as, you, as you go, right? And mm-hmm. at that point, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have the, the list, the long list of, uh, of, I guess, traditional sport owners and, and professional franchises and celebrities uh, as interested as maybe uh, we have today. So I, I just recall, uh, uh, I, I don't think I had a full sense of getting in, uh, that, was, that getting in was gonna create that much attention uh, towards me. Uh, and immediately I started to get a lot of calls from, from uh, traditional uh, owners of sporting teams and people I respected when I played with the Lakers and uh, asking me about the space when here I was just learning about the space myself. So, uh, yeah, I found myself quickly then becoming a bit of a, um, a bridge and I guess a little bit of an educator to those that were trying to decide whether or not this was real. Yeah, and this is one of the things that really surprised me, and I don't know how much you can talk about this, and uh, I'm going to say this to all guests over the course of season two. Uh, if there's ever a question you want to swerve, uh, I'll give everybody one. Uh, this might be one of those. Um, yeah. But, but I, I understand that when you first came in, initially yeah. it was very welcoming. You know, again, I remember, you know, one, meeting you for the first time and being like, you know, I think this is really good for the industry. Um, and, and there was a lot of people who were hyped about you arriving and, and what it could mean. But then there were some people, uh, often owners of rival teams, that kind of seemed to flip. And suddenly, you know, there were a number of like League of Legends stories that came out where mm-hmm. some of the owners seemed to not be welcoming you in the same way they did when you first came in. Um, so why was that, do you think? Well, there was a, I think there was a transition. Uh, I think when I look back to those owners that really are responsible for why I got into esports, excuse me. Um, Sorry, I should have, should have reminded no, you. No, no, no I, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I think back to the owners that really played a huge part in why I even uh, took the leap of faith, they encouraged me that the space was one that um, I authentically connected with and therefore they really, you know, supported. Uh, and I wanted to know that because I knew I would be entering a world that was really there, something that they had created. Uh, and it wasn't something that I wanted to take in any way any credit for. Uh, and so it really, the encouragement from them is what, what really helped my, my leap of faith. And then, you know, and then I started to get a lot of un, undesired attention and un, unsearched out. Uh, but because of my, my, my history in, in sports and then also as a celebrity and, a, and an actor, It was crazy for some mainstream media outlets to latch on to me. And, yeah. and very quickly then, uh, I was becoming the, the voice of an industry that supposedly was just being spawned as opposed to one <laughs> that had been around for you know, <laughs> decades. And so I, I didn't in any way look to speak like I had uncovered, you know, electricity or, <laughs> or not. Um, but it did. I did tend to suck a lot of the oxygen out of the room and I started to become this beacon of, of light to uh, a lot of uh, traditional media outlets. And, and, and I think I may have gotten a little too much attention uh, too fast. And, and I, I, I only thought of it as, uh, as an opportunity for me to spread the news of what we were, we were all doing and who these people were and how amazing they were at what they were doing and how they should be celebrated. And, 
and and then and then as always the case, uh, and I, I don't hold in any way any any uh, grudges about this. Uh, long past this, these people are all still my friends now to this day. Uh, competition is competition. You know, when you get into yeah, competition, you know, it's once you once the season begins, it's all it's all would say all fair and love and war, and uh, and so we competed, and and you know at that point. In, in esports, there were no franchises. Uh, you know, everything was relegation. You could, you could lose your investment. You could be, you could be out of a league, and so it, it was really cutthroat at the time. So um, it did. It got difficult, but I just maintained. Uh, I think I tried to at least. I tried to maintain uh, the the truth and the authenticity of why I was in the space, and I, and I understood that I was new, and therefore, you know, it would take some time for people, to, you know, to take to take to me. Uh, is this uh, part of the learning process then? Because, you know, I was just remarking before we started recording, you know, I feel like I haven't seen you for a while. I feel like um, you haven't uh, been in any of those headlines. You, you've maybe been busy with other projects. Was this you sort of deliberately taking a bit of a backwards uh, step and, and a backseat and, and sort of yeah. let, letting the brand speak for itself rather than you being this sort of, you know, figurehead? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was important that that I didn't overshadow what what we were doing as a group. I mean, I, you know, it's it was very easy to see after the first you know first year that you know I was becoming um, a bit a bit of a, a focus pull for you know for Echo Fox, a bit of a focus pull for just the industry because I didn't I didn't think it it at all that I was the most educated or the most uh, knowledgeable esport historian to be speaking on behalf of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did have passion surrounding it. I did have, uh, I did care about it. And, and, but I wanted to see, I wanted to see the players uh, that we signed and I wanted to see the, the, the leagues that we were a part of and the games that we, you know, we play and love and, the, and all of the events that were popping up. I wanted to see them succeed, not so much, uh, us, you know, be the focal point. So I, I did. I mean, after a year and a half, I'd say, I, and we've had talks, you know, I worked at Turner where you were at with E-League for a while, and we'd, we'd spend some moments talking about the transition, and it wasn't always easy, but uh, I have celebrity. I don't need celebrity. You know, I've had it for yeah. 25 years. It's not anything I'm searching for. Um, what I did find was uh, that I needed to at least explain to a lot of people the, the reason why this this space is valid and why we are valid and why what everyone has been doing is valid and and uh, I, I I you know I found that I needed to be you know I needed to stand up in certain circles that I was in and these weren't esports circles these were just circles that I lived in that you know I that really uh, people were you know weren't as received receptive to esports as I was hoping they would be yeah. Um- so let's talk about sort of some acquisitions and stuff you, that the Echo Fox brand uh, has, has made in terms of players mm-hmm. and team. Um, I think there's been some things that you can say are a uh, resounding success in terms of uh, trophies. Uh, for example, the fighting games uh, guys mm-hmm. that you have on the roster. There have been some others where perhaps maybe costly flops like the CS team which yeah. had a lot of great personalities and high-profile people, never seemed to click for whatever yeah. reason that might be. So I wanted to ask you about the process of what happens for Echo Fox. Like, how do you identify an opportunity? How do you identify players you want to work with? And then as a secondary part of that question, 
what's been the biggest disappointment, if any? Yeah, so much of what we do today is, is so different than what we did, you know, three years ago. And, and uh, we came in through League of Legends, but very quickly, you know, I, I recognized and saw CSGO as, as an opportunity to, to expand the, the franchise. And that's a, that's a space in, uh, uh, that you're well-versed in and, and one of, has been one of the leaders in that space for so many years. So we, we were a part of that and a little over our head and, and uh, at the time, not understanding how to move within uh, uh, the community, not understanding how to compete, I thought, at a, at a professionally high level. And then really this understanding how global CSGO is and how, yeah. how North America versus the world uh, and wanting to be a leader in the space that way, how cost uh, consuming it can be. And so we really, at that point, um, we, we, made mis- we made some mistakes in our, our management of our team and, and we decided to pull back just to evaluate how we could be more effective in CSGO. And, and then, you know, the CSGO space has, has, has grown and shifted as it always does. Uh, and our focus then shifted to survival and League of Legends. Um, that became something <laughs> of a more dominant uh, demand uh, as we struggled. We struggled horrifically as we tried to spread out. We, we lost our focus and, and that anchor uh, spot in league became something that we were on the verge of losing, which would have put us in an unusual dire strait uh, for, for a new startup to be out so quickly. Um, so I, I do have a disappointment in, in what, it, what, what our CSGO experience was. I thought we really, we really um, had a lot of miscues there and, and we could have been better in CSGO because it's such a great community and it's, it's such a longstanding you know, uh, uh, eSport. And, and so the desire to be back there uh, is something that I've had since I stepped away from the operations on a day-to-day basis a couple of years back. And they did, and we just never seemed to get back to it. Um, we looked at the fighting game community immediately after that. And that was under the leadership of, of, of Jace Hall, who, who saw the community as underserved, saw the players as not really celebrated the way they should be celebrated, and really strategized a way to uh, target some of the top players in signing. I think we signed maybe 11 guys. Yeah, it was a really big roster. Yeah, yeah, all to all, all to contracts that may have been at the time, you know, greater and over and and uh, higher than maybe anyone was paying fighting game players. But we thought it was important to to really try and make enough of a statement to the fighting game community that we supported them and that we believed in them and that the players individually are stars and just need to be recognized for that. And so we, we had, I'd say we're most proud of, of our survival in our league of legends the last three years and, and becoming a franchise team. And then uh, our, you know, our move into, into fighting game community community with uh, Sonic Fox and Takedo and Justin Wong and MK Leo and Mewtwo King. These are all, you know, in a lot of ways, legends in fighting games. Oh yeah, for sure. Our brand. So we're most proud there. Um, at times disappointed that we say goodbye to some of our fighting game players uh, this past year uh, unceremoniously, um, which is something that has been a sticking point for me the last couple of years. Um, how we, how we add and uh, say goodbye to players. Uh, in our organization, and then uh, some of the misses. CS:GO is, was a huge miss. Um, uh, Overwatch, 
I'd like to thank the opportunity well, there. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually further down the, the list, but I was going to say sometimes the, the disappointment, is it the games that maybe you've missed out on? Because Echo Fox for me, and I, I think we've talked about this over a drink, it was like you, you were the exact kind of organization that Activision Blizzard were courting. You had you know, big financial backing. You had mainstream sports credibility. But they didn't necessarily want the endemic esports organizations to come in. They wanted this new breed of uh, owner of, of, of brand to be the franchises, to control the franchises. And I would have thought Echo Fox would have walked into Overwatch without any questions asked whatsoever. So how, how did that not come to pass? I mean, was the well, offer ever on the table? Um, yeah, we look, I, I took a trip, uh, geez, before they started the league, uh, I got a, a fortunate opportunity, and I've known I've known the the guys there at, at Blizzard for going back to when I was playing with the Lakers, and I would take I took my son down there at the age of twelve to meet the developers and to take a tour. So they've been really good to me personally in my in my life. Uh, you know, back in the World of Warcraft days before they had Overwatch, before they launched the game, and they were in the verge of you know launching their esport. Uh, league and I got a chance to see behind the curtain uh, of all their plans and, and to give my opinion and uh, to follow along and was you know one of the individuals our organization were one of the organizations that were tapped to you know have a shot at, at being a part of Overwatch and and uh, at the time that that was coming down the pipe and those decisions were being made uh, my hands weren't on the steering wheel of the organization operationally um, I had stepped aside uh, and really was taking more of a focus on just really panels and speaking and, and mm -hmm. traveling the, the, you know, the world, just talking about esports and helping, uh, you know, grow and educate. Uh, that was kind of like the year and a half of my life doing that. Um, and we missed, I, you know, I pointed to it, you know, but it was uh, at the time a decision that we chose to really focus on our, our League of Legends uh, franchise application and, and stay focused there, which was, I, I would argue, was smart. I would argue yeah, we, sure. we we didn't, uh, you know, it's how we came into the space. It's where our, our really our loyalties uh, in in a lot of ways lie. And uh, even though we are a multi-sport e-sport organization, uh, we wanted we wanted an anchor, and our anchors were really rooted in League of Legends, uh, and so we focused there. Uh, Overwatch is at the same time we're doing their franchise slots, and so you have to kind of be judicious about where you put your dollars. And esports, as you know, is not not a cheap game any longer. Uh, no, that's for sure. Yeah, now you know. Now, uh, when you look at it, I mean, Overwatch—an opportunity to get into Overwatch at that point—and uh, was a lot cheaper than it is today. So, well, how do you feel about that? I mean, uh, watching it from afar as a potential investor, does does the prospect of Overwatch still interest you and excite you at all? Or, you know, look, I, I think my position on it's quite clear to everybody. I'm a bit, I'm a bit cynical about the numbers they're talking about and how successful it has been. I, I, I think the League of Legends franchise often represented infinitely more value for money in an established framework that had yeah. proven it had a very loyal fan base and was still the biggest esports in the esport in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of new investors that apparently are excited at the prospect of having to pay anything up to $60 million of the numbers that get bandied around to have an Overwatch franchise. How, how do you feel about that? I think it's a part. I think there. It's a partnership with Blizzard and, and Activision. If you go the Call of Duty route, I mean, these are, 
you know, you're partnering with a publisher and you're becoming uh, a franchisee of, of what you believe is going to be a longstanding relationship going out into decades uh, uh, in esports. So as the games and the leagues establish themselves and they find their viewership numbers or they find their sponsorship uh, relationships and, and the audiences and the teams grow and their connectivity to their own uh, cities and their own personal fan bases, I think it's a long play. I mean, esports is, I always have said this, it is not is a, is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And uh, the early days of, of the last five years, uh, getting in for a lot of people, I think uh, they saw this uptick in evaluations of teams and uh, they were trying to make a quick buck. And, and this is not, that's not the play here. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so I look, I'm, I like, I love, Le- I love Riot, I love League of Legends. They'll make more games. Uh, there'll be more opportunities uh, in that relationship there if they open, have more leagues. Uh, but also, I'm a longstanding Blizzard fan. I've you know, played their games my entire life. So, yeah. so uh, as long as they've been making games, so I, I to have a partnership with them in some way, and it may not be in Overwatch, it may be in another one of their titles at some point, is something I'd welcome. Yeah, well, I'll ask you. Uh, I'll, I'll follow on from that. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of talk right now. Uh, my sources have. Uh, intimated to me that there's going to be an opportunity within Call of Duty that they maybe might, might they're looking at setting up uh, a a similar franchise kind of league, not entirely identical to what they've done with Overwatch. And they've had some preliminary conversations with some owners of the big Call of Duty brands about how they might get them in because they understand that it's very important to have the OGs and the established teams and the established players involved. But then uh, I'm also told that they will be talking to some, you know, consortiums and potential people who could buy in. So have you given any thought to maybe Call of Duty being something on the Echo Fox books? Well, we are a, we're a, a, you know, a battle royale genre, uh, you know, group here. We, 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 I love, I love the genre of, of, of that. And, and I like Call of Duty. So we've been in Call of Duty as an organization for a number of years. And as this was coming down the pipe, we actually backed down from having a team to evaluate what their what the move would be in terms of franchising. Uh, so we're kind of waiting waiting here on uh, to see what comes about. Uh, and then, yeah, we would like to step in and uh, and entertain that opportunity if it's presented to us. Mm. Um, and also just to talk about that relationship that you have with Riot, because I think it's important. Uh, the process, you know, it, it wasn't um, necessarily that that transparent in terms of like who got selected, who didn't. Uh, were you ever worried that because you were slightly, even though you do have this great pedigree, but because you were new just in terms of some of the other brands that were out there, were you ever nervous about maybe missing out on the you know, franchising in, in League of Legends, was that ever something that you genuinely entertained or? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, when we, you know, we, the rumors were rampant, you know, the, the numbers of applications, the, the traditional sporting franchises with brands that span, you know, 50 and 60 years that were, that were entertaining and, and putting applications in. Uh, you start to really look at, you know, you're not, you may not be the, the most attractive <laughs> applicant in the room any longer. And, uh, and so for that, yeah, at every turn, we, we were very much holding our breath and we'd hear all the way up to the end, we'd hear rumors that, you know, of the 10 teams that got selected and we, you know, and sometimes we were on the outs and sometimes we were on the end. And, 
And I can only think of those that didn't make it in that I had on my list as a shoe in, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and that to this day has been, it's been still a, a, you know, a shock, I'm sure, to them and a shock to some of us that, that made it because uh, it's only been a year. It's our second year in franchising. And I'm, I'm hoping at some point we'll see the likes of some of those teams that really kind of entered esports through League of Legends, maybe getting a chance to, to return. Mm. Um, what have you thought of uh, kind of where League of Legends is positioned right now? There has been uh, a, a bit of a perception that it, it's taken a little bit of a dip. As you said, we've had the emergence of things like Fortnite, for example, which uh, it seems to have really, you know, just propelled into the stratosphere in a way that League of Legends did. And then obviously after that, it was, you know, PUBG. There's always something that, you know, right. goes a little bit further than the people that preceded it. But um uh, have you been worried at all that maybe Riot waited a little bit too long to 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 do a league like this, and and that perhaps they they it might be the next game as you alluded to earlier that Riot sort of gets back on top, or do you think actually that League of Legends in, is in a very good position right now in terms of viewership, success, and opportunity to investors? I'm really I'm really confident in our partnership and the group of owners that are working together with Riot. Uh, it is really impressed with the LEC right now, um, and what they're doing. The new the new the new franchise franchisees now over in the in Europe, uh, they've they've done a really good job there. I mean, it's it's actually quite uh, it's quite uh, it's inspiring to now try to live up to what they're doing here in North America, um, but. Riot has been very methodical about how they've done everything for many, um, you know, for many years. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a society, in an era where, you know, immediate gratification is something that, you know, our generation and the generation younger than us are used to, you know, quick results. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been able to, personally, I've been able to sit back and just think about how far we've come and the things that we, we're going to accomplish and the things we're doing and even just seeing the numbers from the beginning of this year, the second year of franchising, they're up, they're looking better already. Some of the sponsorship conversations are, are getting to the level that we want to be having. And, and so I have great hope and great faith that we're, we're on track. We're not, we're not moving at warp speed and we're not, we're no longer moving at a snail's pace. So, so I feel a little better about um, our ability to, continue to, to expand uh, the visibility of the game. There's marketing that's going on now. We're, I think they're bringing in new, new players, new game players, and, and new, new awareness of what League of Legends is. Mm. Um, so this is uh, an, an interesting one, I suppose, within the context of what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, new games, right? Fortnite's the one that I've mentioned. Uh, this seems to be almost a no-brainer. Now, I, I, I actually think it's a bit more complicated than that because it doesn't have an established esports uh, environment yet. But I think more and more people are just picking up Fortnite players, having them on the book, and kind of worrying about the problems later. Now, given that you um, are, a, as you said, a battle royale team, you've, you've, you've um, obviously been you know associated in the past with h1z1 for example uh, which was kind of like the progenitor if you like of the breakout of the battle royale genre's success um is fortnite something that you've looked at seriously and thought about getting involved in the obvious question would be is your involvement in other games holding you back from being involved in fortnite so we uh we, we have a good i've got a i got a chance to speak with mark uh from epic uh, rain and uh at the Esports Summit at the Olympics uh, Forum in over the summer, 
and it was it was nice to be on a panel and and, and get a sense of where he he uh, positions and and thinks you know of esports and he's very democratized and has an approach around it um, similar to I would say to Nintendo and how they approach uh, you know play for all and not really are huge fans of the franchise model or creating leagues or, or not. And, and, but yet they put a lot of money out to the community and they've created events and opportunities for people to chase uh, excellence and to be rewarded for that time spent. And, and so I, I can't, I can't say that I, I have a, a, a lack of faith that we as an organization won't find a way to uh, express Echo Fox through uh, Fortnite as a game. I play it. I enjoy it. I love it. Like I said, I'm a battle royal junkie. So, so um, we we have a couple. We've had a couple team uh, opportunities and groups that have you know reached out, and uh, we've had uh, the thought of individual Fortnite players. Uh, so we're we're on the verge. We're right here. This year we'll we'll get to a um, a Fortnite, you know, a Fortnite communication from Echo Fox uh, that will, I think create opportunities for our fans and those that want to represent Echo Fox and Fortnite, you know, you'll see that in, the, in, the, in 2019. Mm. There was um, a, a moment previously where you were talking about, you know, when you had to say goodbye to the fighting game players and you kind of said that you were looking at methods, you know, being better in how we announce the arrival of players and, and how we say goodbye to them. It, it sort of uh, intrigued me a little bit because I was very curious as to what that meant. I, I think there'll be some a few fighting game people who, who might be watching this and kind of did feel that, as you said, the fighting game guys were like unceremoniously cut or felt a little bit ruthless in how it was presented. Um, I think obviously the truth is usually a lot more complex than that. And as you also said, you were paying those guys fantastic salaries in terms of what fighting game players make. But um, what, what do you mean? What, what, are, what are those changes going to look like and how involved in those changes will you be? Yeah, I guess it, what would be helpful would be to give a sense, maybe a little background of, of the organization and how the, you know, the foundation of it was really put in place because I come from a, a background of playing you know, competing and being a professional athlete. So for me, I have a, a, a real connective uh, soft spot for the uh, the athlete and and their journey to to uh, making a career, being the best they can be, um, pursuing championships. But uh, with that, the struggles of you know the criticism and and um, and the ups and downs that come with the wins and losses. You know, trying to keep a job, all those things. I. I are near and dear to my heart because I've lived it. I lived it for 14 years, so I know what that's like. Um, always being on a great in, within a great franchise organization isn't something that's always bestowed to every player, to every individual. Right? You can get on a good team, you can get on a shitty team. Uh, and uh, for me, Echo Fox was was founded in always being the the franchise that that supported these players in their pursuit of their excellence, whether they win a championship with us or not. At some point, if they win it somewhere else, we want to have a hand in their growth, and we want to know that we, you know, we impacted their careers positively. Uh, now, those careers don't always last as long as we'd like them to with us, you know, with our org. Uh, yeah. And players leave us just like sometimes we have to say goodbye to players. But I think there's just a certain way you go about doing that, and there's a certain way you you chase winning as an organization. You can win a lot of different ways. And uh, when I was really, you know, when I had was doing the operations on a day-to-day -day basis for the first, you know, year and a half to two years. I think it was, uh, I think it was about a year and a half close. I, uh, you know, I passed the torch on to um, 
some very competent people. Uh, and, uh, and they, you know, they, they set the course of Echo Fox uh, and growth and, and made winning, uh, you know, a very prominent focus of organization, which I like to win. Don't get me wrong. I like to win. And, uh, and their style was a little different than mine. Um, and that's what, you know, when you take on partners, you, you kind of gotta, kind of gotta be able to sit in the passenger seat and sometimes just, you know, be a teammate and, and uh, can only really have one one driver. And so uh, that was, uh, you know, that was at play. And we had a lot of growth. We made great, great growth and great strides in a lot of areas. But one of the things that was probably um, most difficult for me being a player was, you know, seeing how we became, as you would call big business, right? How you become, you become big business. And, and, in, and in those protocols and in those, in that growth, you can grow too fast at times and, and you can lose the heart. I think, you know, you can lose, you can lose maybe some of, uh, uh, your the essence of who you are uh, as you yeah. evolve and and for me I felt uh, that in our growth we lost some of that not all of it but we lost some of it and so I uh, I made a point to get back in and get into uh, a position where you know I was uh, in an operating capacity and, and and really running the team and being in control of the uh, the GP and and that's something that you know has transpired recently and uh, it's something that's I thought was important uh, as I thought there were some players that really we, we, we've done really well by and, uh, and have done well by us. And in saying goodbye and parting ways, we could have done a better job. And, uh, and so that's important to me because you dedicate your life and your career to a team or a franchise and they obviously put their weight and their resources behind you. It's a two way street. It's not a one way street. And so, I just never want to lose sight of 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 uh, the careers of the men and women that represent us uh, and that we supposed we support and are supposed to be there for. Uh, and there's a way to say goodbye. It's, you know that I think can be can be uh, had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, has it been has it been hard sort of taking that? Uh, well, rather surrendering a little bit of that autonomy, right? Because back in the day when you first started, is pretty much all you. You know, I remember when you yeah. even brought Jace in. So I, I know it was like pretty much you doing everything. And then now obviously you've got, as you said, you've got business partners, investors, uh, mm-hmm. and you're having less influence on the day-to-day business. So when you see something that happens and you think, oh, I would have handled that a little bit differently if it was just me, it, yeah. does that become frustrating? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the perception, well, I'd have to, I'd have to, uh, I gotta be, you know, a, uh, very clear here in this is that the perception is that from the beginning it, it may have been all me right because I was so much of the brand and so much of the face and 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 uh, yes all of this may have spawned from you know my love for my son and the desire to spend time with him and to you know to be in esports and to get into esports but none of that would have been possible without you know key people and there's a group of three or four other people uh, that they were holding, we were all hold, we we're all linked in together in in that, and they they were a part of that from from day you know day three or four you know so so it, you know this doesn't get to where it is without them and and so I have I'm extremely grateful for them because they don't get a lot of the limelight they don't get a lot of the attention but they were really the the you know the skeletal structure and uh, and I was a lot of the passion and and vision and fire and and in the grounds and the day-to-day but they were making it all they were making it all go in there you know and supporting me with their you know their business acumen and their and their finances and 
impact. And so they, they had a huge role in that. And then, you know, as we, as we expanded, you know, we had to decide really, were we going to take on additional partners? Were we going to bring in people that could add to this, you know, to this vision and grow this brand? And in doing that, you know, I was asked to, and it was, that was an easy thing to do at the time because, you know, when you bring in people that have run Fortune 500 companies and, and have done it on a level that I've never done, you know, it's like you, you, you welcome them and you, you really step aside. You kind of hand the baby over, right? You, you, you yeah. give birth to a baby. And I wasn't the only one that had to hand the baby over. You know, my, my partners also had to kind of hand the baby over. You know, you know finances and, and, and growth come with come with uh, changes and and uh, we we all we all kind of changed uh, at the time that was best for Echo Fox and in that I, I stepped aside you know I stepped aside in the in, in the operations and the power of making the decisions and and I thought the people that were driving the ship like I said had a vision and you kind of got to got to get behind people's visions when it's when they're you know when they're driving you know you got to be a team player uh, but it was, it was definitely, it was definitely hard because so much of, of, uh, of what I believe Echo Fox is founded in, uh, I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't lost and, and that we continue to really connect with the esports community. And, and as we grow into our, in, in a business direction that we don't lose into the space. So, so, uh, that's why I guess after two years, it became important for me to, to, I guess, you know, you know, take a year to try and figure out if I could work with my, my current partners to, to really, you know, allow me to step back in and be a part of uh, the driving force and the vision myself again. Yeah, I think um, it certainly hasn't uh, been as problematic as some other times that we've seen. You know, for example, Optic is my, my, my uh, go-to example, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, you know Hector, he built this thing up. He's been in charge of it for years. He brings in a financial partner. All of a sudden, he's kind of taking a backward step and working on some other projects. But he's always looking over and, you know, they, they've made some very questionable decisions and he's like what are you doing you know this is this is it's like you say it's still his baby in a lot of ways um and now infinite look you know they're kind of acknowledging the mistakes they made and they're looking to maybe pass it on to somebody else um <laughs> so it, it can it, it can definitely not be uh as, as easy as just walking away and you know yeah, no. every, everyone's going to run everything perfectly right yeah, i mean no. I, I laugh lucky in that regard i laugh because i i i, I saw hector over the last year a lot and I'd see him and, and I'd say we both were in similar places, right? You know, our heart and soul, we, you know, we wear our orgs and our brands on our, on our chests and, and we live and breathe and, uh, and are passionate about esports and, and uh, when others are actually, you know, carrying the baby and, <laughs> and they drop the baby, it's still your baby. <laughs> so you're going to have, have strong feelings and reactions, but at the same time, you can't publicly throw them under the bus, right? Cause they're doing sure. the best they can. They're doing the best they know how to do. And they're taking courageous steps and they're trying to grow your company and they're putting their money in. And so you kind of have to, you kind of have to like, you, know, you kind of got to hold your tongue and you got to just be, a, you got to be on the team and, and you can't be on the team only when it's, things are going well, you know, you, you, sometimes in a startup capacity, things don't go well at, at, at every turn. So, you know, for, for both of us, you know, for Hector and for me, it's just, 
it just people wonder where we went, you know, what's going on. And we're, we take a lot of the heat because we're the face of the brands, you know, and uh, we had a lot to do at the start of these brands. So for me, knowing that and and not being really to being able to really speak openly about that because it wasn't my place in those in those months to to really, you know, throw anybody under the bus. Because, again, like I'm not perfect. You know, I've made mistakes running my esports, running this esports team in the early days and and so and we'll i always say and we'll make mistakes going forward so it's mistakes aren't something you should shy away from it's just the accountability for them is something that i've always in my life felt was important to have mm-hmm. uh, to own up to your mistakes and to be in communication with your with your employees and your in your your players and in the community like that's something those are tenants in my life that i feel are a must and so i've just under my, you know, my uh, guidance, you know, those are things that I think are important and things you'll see from us. Well, well let's talk about something that I think uh, from a perception standpoint is one of the mistakes that, be it accurate or not, will, will uh, be associated with, with Echo Fox, and that's the H1Z1 uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, uh, it, I, it was dreadfully unfortunate what happened that that you guys, I think, had identified an opportunity. You know, H1Z1 was the number one battle royale. All the top streamers were playing it. And then for whatever reason, Daybreak games, their, their focus was a little bit uh, kind of not in line, shall we say, with the community and what esports needed to do. And then obviously PUBG comes out, that mm-hmm. blows up. And then Fortnite after that, and all of a sudden H1Z1 is really left kind of in the dust by these other titles and echo fox would have been one of the big proponents in, and and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways they were uh, i don't know how much involvement you had with the h1z1 mm-hmm. league but a lot of people think that echo fox sort of ran the h1z1 ah, league. Yeah. Oh, yeah and and, and and they they you know we know how that's gone i mean it's been a it's, yeah. it's collapsing there's talk about people being owed money talk about people being owed equipment and right. then they can't get back. And Jace Hall's found himself in, in the firing line. And because of his involvement with Echo Fox, I think tangentially Echo Fox have got a lot of that, that yeah. flack, that hate. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you about all of that. That's, a, that's an accurate, that's an, a fair question. So mm-hmm. uh, the understanding of, as I just shared just a second ago, why I thought it was important to put Echo Fox in its own uh, universe uh, was stems from a lot of, I think, uh, the misconception that in some way Echo Fox ran the H1Z1 League, H1PL, I think it is is called. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, H1Z1PL was a partnership with Twin Galaxies and Daybreak. Uh, Echo Fox is a team that really is a, is a battle genre uh, junkie. Like, we, we believe in the space. So, and you know, uh, I believe in H1Z1 when uh, a year ago when it was uh, the first Battle Royale game I started playing, and I, was in, I fell in love with it, and I discovered it through Jace. And, uh, and Jace really had this vision for creating uh, the league, uh, the H1Z1 league, which, you know, I really, I, I kind of said, go, man, go. Like, this is, I think, Battle Royale genre is, is, a, is a thing, is a way of the future. And, uh, and so, you know, my participation in that was, was not, was kind of on the sidelines just going, okay, man, let us know when we can get in and play the game, you know, when we can play in the league. We, we got you, you got our support. We're in. We, we want to have a franchise. And, uh, and they went about building that in partnership with Daybreak and took them a minute, took them a minute. Um, and as you know, the game, 
uh, started to, you know, have its challenges with competition. Uh, and I thought they, they'd made an aggressive, they made an aggressive big play. They made a big move and to kind of create a league that could compete on the, I think on the, the level of CSGO and, and League of Legends, and, uh, and they made a big run at it. And uh, they, got, they got all the teams in there they needed to get in there. And, uh, and unfortunately, the, the bottom fell out of the game. The community is, you know, had issues with it. The Daybreak did not listen to the community the way they should have. Um, they then tried to chase the PUBG and the Fortnite uh, games and uh, change the games. The game would have affected the, the, um, the community further. Uh, and at that point, I thought they, they probably, you know, they probably should have made a shift in the scale with which they launched the league. <laughs> and instead, yeah. instead they, they kind of stepped on the gas uh, and uh, doubled down, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were, you know, we were already in with along, along with a lot of other teams. And, and look, and, uh, and the, way, the way things happened with that, I mean, from the whole Columbus Nova situation and uh and then facebook's concern about that which they pulled back from what i understand they pulled back on the their commitment to the viewership and and uh and the promotion of the league and then daybreak shifted their development team i guess to to um their console division like all the all the stuff that i read about it right I, i mean i i um i felt for jace i felt for H1PL people because they put a lot of energy into it. And that wasn't a poorly run event in terms of the production. I mean, that stuff looked great. They just couldn't get sure. the viewership, and they couldn't get the they couldn't get the commitment from Daybreak around the game and Facebook around the the execution. But you know, Jace took a lot of heat, and uh, you know, he wasn't. You know, uh, he un- I, let me put it this this way: unfairly took a bullet for execution that he was not fully a part of. Mm. So, so, you know, that's, that's, un, that's unfortunate because, you know, I, I think uh, the game itself and the things that went down uh, with Facebook and daybreak and, and the game and the bottom falling out and the competition, it was like the perfect storm for, you know, unfortunately for them. And we, as you know, Echo Fox, you know, we were a part of the league, but, in no way had any operational input or controls or anything like that. We, you know, we suffered along with, you know, all the other teams that were waiting for season two to begin. So, you know, that's all we could do. You know, I happened to be, like I said, I happened to be friends with Jace and I, I watched him struggle through that and I watched him actually fight and still fights to this day to get the teams, uh, the money owed to them. You know, I mean, he's, he's not given up at all on that. So I got to commend him for, really standing in the face of all the undue you know you know the criticism that may be due or undue or just or unjust i don't you know i i just know that he hasn't stopped being a man about um about it all and and continuing to really uh fight for making it right on behalf of everyone and i and if i had to be a betting man he'll he'll end up doing that um and he and and doesn't necessarily need to but Mm -hmm. is but just feels that strongly about you know about it so i you know i i commend him for that i mean all the all the stuff that honestly you know i again i feel for him because 90 percent of it is inaccurate and not true and uh from my understanding and so it'll all yeah i think it'll all wash out 
Um, I, I really am disappointed about the fate of the game because I love the game. Yeah. You know, I love the game. I mean, it really spawned a lot of opportunity for a lot of people in the battle royal space. It's what, you know, what created PUBG, what created some of these other, you know, modes that have spawned out from, from games that were dead. Look, I mean, Fortnite was, was a six year old game that was, you know, and here all of a sudden they create this mode and it's, you know, it's done amazingly well. So you, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm selfishly really quickly here. I'd love to hear your thoughts about where you think it, um, the life of H1Z1 and do you think it has- Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I, I, I think, uh, I think there was a time to get into H1Z1, right. And it could have yeah. been, um, it, and it could have been great. I, I just think, honestly, once you start pumping money into anything that's artificial, the, the, the things that don't last in esports, uh, the, uh, the creations that don't have an endemic, like an organic scene built around them. You know, with Counter-Strike, you know, we didn't jump to Intel Extreme Masters and filling out stadiums. I mean, that is a very slow evolutionary process. I mean, mm-hmm. even back in 1.6, by the time we got to stadiums, even, you know, what you would consider stadiums, you know, large venues with, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of people watching, to get to that, we had to piggyback on expos so we could cut costs and cut corners. And it was a very slow process. Uh, what, what always worries me is when you see things, things like the H1Z1 League, it's, it was very like, you know, do they have the viewers to sustain this? Yeah. Uh, the Facebook deal didn't seem to help with that because getting, if you want to go to a sponsor and say, hey, get involved, we've got all these tens of thousands of people viewing, but you're actually showing them Facebook numbers, which right. let's be real, their streaming uh, platform is an afterthought to what they are as a company and it's an experiment for them and I and one that I think they're not really interested in if it succeeds or not. it's more about data points you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I always get that impression from the Facebook guys they just yeah. want to see what happens research, research and uh, yeah yeah uh, research on the platform and you know look like again I, I wasn't making any of the decisions um, uh, and I really didn't get the visibility, nor was I a part of the visibility of what they were doing as they were doing it. I just knew as I heard things along the way, I thought to myself, ah, you sure you don't want to do that with Twitch? Or are you sure you, you know? <laughs> uh, you know and, and, so, and I understand why, because it's, it's direct money in, right? You know, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, taking you that Facebook money. That. Yeah. You can't argue with Facebook. I mean, look, yeah. Facebook is, is a huge platform. It's not like the audience doesn't live on Facebook as well as it lives on Twitch or it lives on YouTube. I mean, they have the means to, um, and they have gaming, a gaming community that, that people that love gaming. I think they just were trying to, I think Facebook at that point were look, they were looking to figure out what their esports uh, business was going to look like. And they did it. Um, I did it in a very kind of, uh, you know, strategic way, but not, not in a all in fashion. They spent good money. They put good money behind the league, which allowed, I think the H1PL to pay the teams initially. And uh, if they had continued on with their commitment to the league, they would have been able to pay uh, for a second split, I think. Um, but they didn't do that. You know, they stepped away from it. Um, they saw what they wanted to see, and maybe they didn't believe in the game as much anymore. Or yeah. I don't know the specifics of that. But, you know, those are good questions for, for Stratton. And, and uh, Stratton was running uh, Twin Galaxies. He was running uh, the H1PL. And, a lot like, you know, I mean, Jace was, you know, a lot of ways the face and, and 
you know, and out front in a lot of ways, but he was a good soldier. I'll put it at yeah. that. He was a really good soldier and he's been a good soldier even in the aftermath. Uh, and, and, and I just think it's unfortunate that he's the only voice answering the critics at this point in time. Well, that's the downside of being the face of anything. I found that out when I was doing E-League, right? You know, yeah. I was getting blamed for decisions that were way above my pay grade uh, yeah. or even ones that were below my pay grade, like yeah. the, they, they run, like tournament decisions. Well, it's not my job. Yeah. And, I host the that's, TV show. That's, the, that's usually the hard thing for the community maybe to understand, right, uh, is, you know, there's business behind the face of the business, and a lot of times the buck, and the decisions don't don't start or end with those people that you maybe associate yourself with uh, the product. And same way a celebrity would you know endorse a, a a shoe, and if you don't like the shoe, you're mad at the celebrity. You know you're not mad at the company that's making the shoe or making the decisions. Uh, you're just mad at the person that told you to buy it, right? And uh, and and that's why I, I mean I go back to that's why it was so important for me hearing the over the last year hearing the the community and listening to their confusion around Echo Fox at times and some of the ways we were moving didn't seem synonymous to how they knew us, you know, entering the space and how we really grew for the first couple of years. It just, it was, a, it felt like a mixed message. So I felt it was important to, to do what I knew I could do, which was to try and at least get, uh, get back in into a operational capacity and at least maybe answer some of those questions publicly and, and, and be, be a, a, an org that, that didn't hide in the shadows, that really actually owned up the mistakes and, and didn't have to be perfect and didn't have to be something that maybe our competitors were. You know, we want to win. Don't get that wrong. I want to win. We, we, we strive to win. I just think you can win a lot of different ways. And it doesn't always have to be in, a, uh, in, a, in one, one style. I'll leave it at that. Well, I know we're pressed for time, but there's one question I really wanted to um ask you while, while I had you here uh, because it was something that you know I've noticed you've been out there and you've been you know talking on panels and spreading that esports evangelical uh, which yeah. is fantastic for us the, uh, the 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 question I wanted to ask you about was just in terms of when you when you founded Echo Fox you were very much a player first organization like no doubt about it I saw that myself again it wasn't just in terms of contracts it was support network it was being vocal about problems in League of Legends when other owners were looking away and they didn't want to talk about problems in team houses and work schedules and we've had this conversation about why do, why does League of Legends have bur a burnout problem which yeah. uh, it, it, the answers to me are fairly obvious at least so I wanted to ask just about, uh, you know, if you're going to be involved in doing anything to help bring that in, bring the industry collectively forward with all of your experience and, and, and ties, mm -hmm. because we are starting to get player associations. Now we've got yeah, one in Counter Strike. Right? We've yeah. got one. In, yeah. We've got one in League of Legends, but you know, we've oh, been talking about this Richard for a long time, man. Yeah. I know. You and I've been yeah. talking about this. This is, it has to happen. And, and maybe I'm in the wrong, you know, I said, I'm going to say this. And I've done a lot of thinking about this. Um, I love Echo Fox. I mean, it's my heart. I mean, it is my heart. And, but I love players and I love the space. And what I noticed the last two years, you know, really not being in an operational capacity is that there's, there's things I, I find myself wanting to fight for that have nothing to do with Echo Fox. They just have to do with the players and they have to do with the space and and the longevity of the space and where we're going and and uh, i i know that you know it's important for me to 
to really obviously carry the mantle at, at Echo Fox with, you know, with my, the support of my partners and, and the investors that we have that believe in us. Um, but man, sometimes I think there's a calling that's greater than just Echo Fox that I, I fight with all the time. Like that, you know, the heart, at the heart, I sometimes wonder, am I, am I an agent and a manager for players? Am I a player, am I a player rep? Am I, am I a player association? Am I a union guy? Like, a, like am I, am I, you know what I mean? Like it's the many hats thing. Right. And, um, and, and I just know that I care about it and I care that, that we all, we all grow the space beyond just making money from the space. And, uh, but it's a business and trust me, look, I, I've been raising money repeatedly uh, along with my partners. We, you know, my partners have put more of their money in and I, and I want to say this Richard, because, um, I'm grateful for them. And a lot of times, you know, maybe I get on uh, these podcasts or I get into uh, interviews and we're talking esports, and, you know, I don't get to celebrate them. I don't get to really talk about the people behind the scenes that sacrifice their hard earned dollars. They sacrifice their lives. They work as hard as I do and uh, don't get the visibility. They, you know, they stress over, you know, not getting relegated and they stress over, you know, the, the, you know, running the team and being right for the players and, you know, they, they share the same stresses. And so, you know, when we are out uh, making sure that we, 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 you know, represent our investors and, and fight for their dollars and, and grow our company, you know, the, all of those things are being done by more than just me. And they're being done by a lot of people that have, have made this company get to where it is. So I just want to say thank you to them. And I want to celebrate them because uh, a lot of times I'm sure they feel like it's all and because uh, I'm out in front and I got this big head and, and it draws a lot of attention, but, but it's, uh, you know, I, I really, I really care about the space and I care about, I'm grateful to them and I want to see us all survive. And, and as you know, esports has become big business and in big business, you got to answer to a lot of, got to answer a lot of questions and those things be, you know, kind of end up, end up pulling focus from, you know, uh, why we're all doing this, you know, and we, we do, we're doing it because we love, we love gaming and we love competing and we love, we love what the community is, you know, brings to our lives and how fulfilling it is. And you have, you know, you have a, a life and a, and a voice and a space in esports, and I do because, because of a lot of other people. And and we want to see it be healthy. We want to see it grow. So, so we got to be good to each other. And we got to be good to the space. Well, look, I'll, I'll get on the last question. This is a nice, easy one for you. Uh, it, it's basically just, uh, you know, for the fans of, of, of you and, and obviously by extension, Echo Fox, uh, what's next on the agenda, uh, just in terms of what they can expect to see from the organization, what your focus is going to be in 2019, and if there are any sort of exciting developments that Echo Fox fans can look forward to? Yeah, well, it's been a bit of a reset. It's been a bit of a reset with uh, the transition uh, and operational um, uh, front-facing, uh, uh, but man, uh, you know, great gratitude uh, for the people that got it to this place. Man, we took such great leaps the last two years. They did a lot of amazing things, um, and now, um, now it's an opportunity for us to go a step further. Um, I think, as as I as as we've talked about this year, um, there was a you know, there's been a um, for us internally uh, a heavy focus on growing the 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 talent that we have that isn't in competition you know are you know so it's really putting the energy and the focus behind the infrastructure that supports the players and how we grow there is a focus of mine i i've been fighting for 
the the awareness and the education of of parents that think that what we do is is far fetched and a waste of time. Uh, so for me, it's really showcasing all of the different career paths that are in our organization that really make up an esport org that really create the backbone of this industry. Uh, creating more of those jobs, showcasing those individuals that do those jobs so that parents can look out across the space and go, oh, okay, so if my son wants to be a pro or my daughter wants to be a pro in the space, what happens to them if they don't make it? What happens to a Rick Fox if he doesn't become an NBA player and isn't making millions of dollars? Because, yes, we have those stories. We have the Hooney stories. We have the, we have the stories of, of, our, of our top-tier celebrity Pro athletes that, yes, we pay them close to a million dollars. That's amazing. Who doesn't want that, right? Everybody wants to chase that. But if they fall short, what does their life look like in esports? Well, it looks like you. It looks like me. It looks like our coach. It looks like our PR director, our GM. All of these people are, are all of them are our analysts. Are, 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 you know, they're all 22 to 26, <laughs> they're selling yeah. sponsorships and they're 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 broadcasting they're running our podcast there are predator shooters that are doing our content i have a staff of some 35 40 people that are all between the ages of 20 and 30 that's your son and your daughter's future if they don't make it to the top in their industry game that they love but also i know this that tomorrow another game will come out and they'll love that game and who's to say that they won't live out their 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 passion to be an esport you know top player in that sport or that game because they're living in the world that, that they love and they're, and they're competing in there and and they're, and they're having a career doing what they love to do and, and that's all i wanted that's all i wanted for my son that's all i want for their son and daughter and that's what's important to me yeah well, look, I think that's a great message to uh, to end on, brother. It's been good to catch up. I, I feel like we've left it way too long. I'm yeah, getting no, old. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean. You're still in better shape than me, so. No, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> no, you definitely are. I, I would tell you that um, that we're still doing it, man, and, and we have to keep doing it because you carry the history. You carry the history of this, and, uh, and you also police it, which I love. You police it and you ask the, the questions that need to be asked and, and you shine the light in the areas that need to be shined. And um, we should connect, we should connect and keep, you know, have more of these more frequently. Um, yeah, uh, for now, sure. Um, maybe now that I'm back a little more visibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, anytime you're in Vegas, uh, my tree, yeah. my guest. Uh, yeah. But that's it for this uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, we, we're trying to keep them smaller than the ones that Yeah, because. <laughs> if, me, if, if me and you uh, get gas and we could go all day. But anyway, I want to thank, obviously, Rick Fox, Echo Fox, for um, setting all this up so we could get Rick on the show. And, of course, thanks to all of you watching this, whenever that may be. I've been your host, Richard Lewis. We'll be back on another episode of the Deserto Podcast, uh, uh, Season 2 talk show, uh, real soon. Uh, but until we see you next time, take care of yourselves.